My name is Armando. My name is Rebecca. And you are tuning in to episode three of the Will to Trust podcast. All episodes are available for you to listen on iTunes, Podbean, and other affiliate podcast services. Thank you for joining us. Today is May 20th, 2020, and we have an excellent conversation coming up. Today, we'll be discussing the importance of self-proving your will and how it can save you a headache in the future. We upload at least once a month with fun and engaging legal and professional discussions. Before we begin, if you have any topics you would like to recommend or simply want to leave a comment, make sure to visit our website, www.lifelegacypa.com, where you can find additional instructions on how to reach us. So today, we'll be discussing two things, actually. We'll be discussing... The Florida bar update. Do we do we want to bring that up? Is this something that we want to talk about? I think we do. Let's just bring it up, and then we'll be getting into the crux of everything. Uh, we'll be discussing self-proving and why you want to get that done if you are planning mm-hmm. on signing a will um, in the near future. So yeah. yeah. So let's discuss the Florida bar real quick. They have throughout this whole coronavirus situation, we have been hearing a lot of rumors whether the Florida bar is going to hold or, you know, have their examination in July, which we know is like the Super Bowl for law schools. The July, the July Florida bar, I guess for every school, actually nationwide, is just everyone's always looking to see their, you know, their passing rates and all that stuff. So we've all been thinking, well, with the coronavirus, what's going to happen? And uh, Rebecca, now we know that the Florida bar is planning on going forward. They're, they're, they're holding their Florida bar as usual um, in July. Any thoughts right. on that? Yeah. Um, when we first spoke about it, I was thinking they were going to postpone it. I really didn't think they would go through with it. And now they are going to. And they have a lot of, a lot of restrictions. And one of them, which I just find kind of um, unfair in a way or just out there. I don't know how these uh, bar testers are going to handle it is the fact that you need to not only wear your masks uh, going in inside and to the line, which is all reasonable, but at your desk, which every single person is going to be at a different table. Um, they have the table to themselves, but you need to keep the mask on throughout the exam. If you take it off, I think they mentioned something about uh, taking you outside. They'll take you out of the exam if you take off the mask. So I, I'm just trying to imagine sitting in that exam room for, is it about, I feel like it was eight hours. I don't even remember the exam time anymore. I think it's a full day of testing and you're going to have a mask on the whole time. I mean, I can't even go to Publix for an hour without trying to take off my mask because I cannot breathe properly. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I don't even know. I know, you know, a lot of people who have, um, not anxiety attacks, but like it, 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 they feel very claustrophobic with the mask on for long periods of time. And I can't imagine somebody, especially in the, these like intense moments of your life. I mean, I think every lawyer agrees that the bar was not an easy moment in their lives. And to then ta- tack on all of these other restrictions and just things to make the exam harder. Uh, I guess some people would argue that, well, everyone is suffering through this. So there, you know, if everyone is in the same boat, then it's equal, you know, everyone's suffering equally. So the exam shouldn't, 
the, the results won't be hint, you know, affected as much. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm with you on this. I think that they should have postponed as well. Uh, it's not only about the examination uh, restrictions or you know the conditions that they're taking the exam in. I think it's also the fact that we've just been it's been a really messy time uh, for a lot of people. Uh, some people are financially in a very tough situation. These exams are not cheap for those right. who have not taken the exam. Uh, at least the Florida bar. I mean, just the application alone and the examination fees were close to a thousand dollars. Is that am I remembering that right? It was like. Seven hundred bucks, yeah, I think. Or something I, I like that. believe it was pretty close to yeah. that. And then I think if you had done it late, I'm pretty sure it was oh, even, almost touching that number. Oof. So, and then you tack on having to get a hotel because most people don't live in Tampa or Orlando, which I I don't think anything's changed. You know, they're they're having the exam split up between Orlando and right. Tampa, so it's it's a financial burden that a lot of people may not be able to you know invest in right now but i don't know it, it's tough it's it's a tough it is very tough and i understand that they still want to you know give these people the opportunity to take the exam while it's still fresh um although i don't know if law school really set me up as well as just the bar prep like i think that even if i would have had to wait and just take the bar prep a little later and postponed the entire thing um it still wouldn't have been terrible it's not like you're going to remember one l year any less i don't i don't know if it's there's a lot of uh pros and cons to it so i i trust that they they made they tried to weigh out all the the pros the cons and they made the best decision they thought they that they could and i mean good luck to those bar test takers absolutely good luck and uh we'll Try and keep up with this and see if there's any developments down the road. Uh, this particular podcast we are recording and releasing rather like for you know, this is going to be a fast release. We're recording on a Wednesday and we'll be releasing and uploading this podcast on a Friday. But you know, so this will this will be a rather fast update. So if you're listening to this, you're probably hearing. Uh, two-day-old information, so we'll try and keep it up. Also, in on, you know, in that same realm, make sure to follow our Instagram. We tend to post really up-to-date information on our Instagram and on our website. We'll be posting all the show notes, just trying to get these things out before I forget. So make sure to do that. Okay, so we've done the Florida Bar update. Now let's go into the the real core of the podcast today. And that is self-proving a will. So before we even get into what self-proving is, we should discuss what the execution of a will is in Florida. Uh, Rebecca, do you want to cover that? Yeah. So for a will, I think a lot of people um, are surprised when they hear you don't actually need to notarize a will. In order for a will to be valid in Florida, what you need to have is the testator, who is the person who's um, will it is sign at the end of the will and they must do this in front of two witnesses and these witnesses need to also sign um, the will in the presence of the other witness and the testator so everyone needs to be um, watching and present and signing together but you do not need to have it notarized however in when you probate this will, the witnesses would need to 
um, show up in court in order to testify that they were present when this will was signed and that they saw the testator sign the will. So that is where we are going into the self- self-proving affidavit. Which, yeah. yeah. So the self-proofing affidavit is the document that comes after the will, and it could be executed right after you sign the will. It could even be executed days, months, years after. The The, the purpose of the self-proving affidavit is it actually makes the will self-proved. I, I know that's a real tough concept to understand because it's not in the name of the document at all, <laughs> but what that effectively does is what Rebecca said is you have to bring those witnesses in to prove that the will is you know accurate that it was done in you know in in the proper conditions and it follows all of the florida requirements for executing the will all of that is technically kind of overpassed and it is already admitted into probate uh so you kind of over you kind of skip the proving part of probate and right. why is that good well one it saves time and you do you, you want to spend as much time away from being in court as possible <laughs> so it saves you that. And it also, um, it, it's just a, it's a burden that you skipped, right? It's, it's, it's less, one less hurdle you have to pass over. Right. Uh, the witnesses, witnesses don't, yeah, the witnesses don't have to show up. Yeah. Which witnesses are kind of an unreliable or, or a wild card factor that you don't know. Um, just like the testator can die tomorrow, a, a witness can die tomorrow, or they can move to a different country. So, having this taken care of so that they don't need to show up when you try to probate the will is uh, very helpful. Yeah. Now, going back to what Rebecca said, a will does not need to be notarized, but an affidavit does. So there is that extra, probably very minor inconvenience of having to get a notary to notarize the affidavit. But from our experience, it's the, the pros outweigh the cons by a million times. But so we, I want to just be, a, I want to add a little bit here to kind of like, you know, introduce some case law into this podcast. I thought it'd be fun. So we kind of put ourselves um, back into law school. We added some homework for ourselves and we said, mm-hmm. let's find some cases that we can introduce into the episode to kind of just add some real world application to what we're talking about. And I thought that I found a case that was actually very enlightening. And I thought it was actually really cool. It's a, te- it's a Texas case, Supreme Court of Texas. So we're going to kind of try and parse through it and tell you what's applicable in Florida. Most of it actually is. But the real core of this case is that the testator, when she went to sign her will, she signed it. And the, the signing of the will, when you sign at the very end of the will, she signed it correctly. So you, the testator signs. But the witnesses signed not at the end of the will, but at the bottom of the page right after the self-proving affidavit. So in this situation, the Mm. self-proving affidavit was on the same page as the end of the will, but it was after the end of the will. It was at the bottom. So the witnesses actually signed the self-proving affidavit, but they they neglected to sign the will. And uh, it's Witch v. Fleming, Supreme Court of Texas. You guys can check that up. I'll be putting that on the show notes. Um, and we're putting all the other cases as well in the show notes so you guys can keep track of that. Um, it's a 1983 case. And the court ultimately held that that does not constitute a proper signing of the will. 
But funny enough, the dissenting opinion actually said, well, I mean, they're signing on, they're signing at the end of the will. It's just not right. the end of, it's at the end of the page. Um, and what does this highlight in this particular part of the podcast is that when you do, you know, a, a self-proof affidavit and you do a will, you have to make sure to execute both right. properly. It's the one does not overlap the other. It, you do the will first. You execute the will as the way Rebecca was saying with your testator signing in the presence of both witnesses who each sign in the presence of each other. And then after doing that, you sign the self-proof affidavit with the notary, the witnesses and the testator. Once you do that, you're good. But That's really good. Yeah. Yeah. I, what good is a self-proofing affidavit if the will it's supposed to prove is <laughs> not executed correctly? So that's a really uh, great case. Yeah. It's it's an important one, and I think that um, uh, it highlights one of the many things that happens in estate planning. Um, and I'll, I'll digress a little bit, but I think it's funny because like when you get into estate planning, you just don't realize how much paperwork is involved. Even in the most, <laughs> even in the most simplest case, you're still handling hundreds of papers, uh, hundreds of pages, and it just you can get lost. Uh, luckily, Rebecca is incredibly talented in organizing stuff uh -huh. and she's managed to like learn her tabbing and learn how to color right. code everything but uh, organization is key yeah. for estate planning but i read this case and i was like oh that, that, that i don't know why i see that as a very plausible mistake attorneys can make if they're not organized and if they're not Absolutely. keeping track and it's funny because like they were, i think if i'm not mistaken in the case they were attorneys <laughs> so the witnesses were attorneys, the witnesses were attorneys. So it's wow. like, <laughs> i'm like come on um but yeah so that's that's the the, the the foundation of it. You got to make sure that you execute both the will and the self-proving together, but you can, you can, you can, you know, make sure that each one is executed properly. And it actually back, backtrack. It doesn't have, even have to be together. I'm pretty sure you can self-proof like months and months ahead, months later right, down the road. After. Or, mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just the idea is that you're, you have the testator confirming that he did sign that will. Right. Right. Yeah. So what is a self-proving affidavit? How do you self-proof a will? What is the actual document? Do you want to explain that one a little? Yeah. So the actual document is an affidavit. It is the witnesses testating, not the witness testing, the witnesses attesting that they, not that they witnessed the testator signing, but that the testator himself or herself has agreed and said that that will is the one that they signed. And that, it, that document in of itself is what clears that original burden of proving the will in probate. Um, to, to pretty much execute the affidavit is relatively easy. It's the same thing as a will, but you have to tack on a notary. So that's why I think that going back to the original, the original issue that we have with like the signing of the wills, since it's very similar that you have to have the testator and the two witnesses, but you add the notary, there may be some confusion where people just think that if you notarize the will, bam, you've self-proofed it. And that's incorrect. You need the full self-proof, the self-proving affidavit to have that effect. Um, right. And make sure if you talk to your attorney, uh, your estate planning attorney, if they're talking about it, they're like, talk, oh yeah, we're, you know, we're going to self-proof it. Make sure you look at it and make sure, you know, confirm. There's a, a, a separate document that's labeled self-proving affidavit. Um, here at our firm, what we try to do is we try to make sure that the document is not on the same page as the end of the will. That's for sure. Right. Um, but that it is its own separate document. So that way you're confirming, Hey, this is the, you know, everything's been executed properly. 
And so I, one yeah. thing I, I saw while we were researching cases for this was they were mentioning that instead of a separate affidavit page, like we were saying, which is what we like to do, they will have a self-proof clause or an attestation clause. And to have the self-proof just right after the will, I do think that could create just the exact confusion that we read in um, in the case that you presented. And also, um, it's just easier to to say, okay, well, I mean, if you're going to contest it, I don't know if it's just the same document. I think it's just clearer to have things separate and say, we saw, this is the will, we executed it this way. This is the self-proof affidavit. It was executed this way. But you do need to make sure that both of them are consistent. So there was one case that I found that um, the self-proof affidavit said that there were three witnesses. However, the um, will only had two witnesses. So, and only two of them signed the self-proof affidavit. And they actually, um, it, it caused a, a big probate mess because they were going to, um, they, the, they took it to court saying that this was not, um, this was, manipulated or it was there was someone actually missing and it was not um the witnesses were not telling the truth because they said there were three but only two of them signed it so consistency and having them i think separated will just make that clear not have any confusion everyone knows what they're signing and i think attorneys really help clear that up no absolutely absolutely and in that particular case uh, like in the situation where you have the self-proving affidavit that is inconsistent with the will, you're effectively negating and adding more issues to the probate process. I'm assuming I would assume that if you didn't have the inconsistent self-proving affidavit, they probably would have just taken the will to probate, proved the will through the use of the witnesses, and moved on. But if you have this self-proving affidavit that's inconsistent, you're going to add additional law like legal work and additional you know court time and ultimately the probate the, the estate being probated is going to be delayed um so you want to make sure that if you are executing a self-proving affidavit that you're doing it properly and that it is consistent with the will um and there's also a few other things that i think uh you brought up that i want to kind of just note on uh the idea of having the will in the same page as or like having that self-proving clause better said uh you're right i think that that would that that leads itself to the issues that we brought up with the witch v fleming supreme court of texas case where you know you could have inadvertently mistakenly accidentally not executed the either the will or the affidavit properly but i also think that if it just i don't know maybe in my own from my own personal experience handling all these paperwork it's it's nice to also show what each document is by just having separate section, like having the will in its own pile, having the affidavit in its own pile, having the trust, the you know the any of the advanced healthcare uh, directives, all that stuff, having a section where you can kind of lay them out on a table and say these are each document that you're signing, instead of having one document that's just signed fourteen times, right? Right. Um, with that said, I like to play devil's advocate and. There is a slight 
concern that could come up if by having a separate paper that's the self-proof affidavit, you could have the chance of somebody losing it and then you just have the will. But for me, that's probably not that risky of an issue. If you, I mean, most, whenever we finish uh, an estate plan, we have a full binder that is completely organized. And if the client keeps that binder as is till you know they need to use it, uh, the self-proving affidavit will be there. Um, right. It's, it's organized It'll in that manner. Separate for signing, but as soon as it's signed, I mean, I would say you attach that right away. Yeah. So just separate to make sure that it's executed properly, but then attached and together until the end. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the more, that's the neat version. I think that's the more organized professional way. And I, and and overall, even when you comes to the probate attorney, because sometimes and many times you'll have the estate planning attorney, um, is not going to be your probate attorney because the, the time passes, right? Like maybe the person who did your estate planning, uh, their office is 30 years down the road, you, you, you know, and then the, you need to actually use those documents. Hopefully you don't leave 30 years in time between your estate planning and the time that you need to use it. But my whole point is the probate attorney is going to pick up this binder and look through your documents. It's going to be a, a, a more visual way of him saying or her saying, okay, there it is self-proofed, right? Like it's, you could just glance right through it and it'll have a tab for itself. So the pros and cons, again, each attorney is going to be different as long as both in the end, as long as both documents are signed and executed properly, you should not have an issue and you should always self-proof. Um, we should quite, we could really quickly just kind of discuss reasons why I know we've really touched up on many of them, but we kind of want to just outline them. Um, Rebecca, do you always want to like, just go through those real quick bullet points that we created? Right. So self-proving affidavit is really just a great way to shift the burden of proof. Um, if someone were to contest your will, you're saying, I have said, this is my will. Um, the testator has said, this is their will. Um, these witnesses saw me sign my will and they also know that this is what I wanted. And now it's on the person who's trying to contest the will, mm. the burdens on them to show that it, it's not that way. Um, and then it also just, like we said, the witnesses, whether they were to have moved to a different country or if they are just physically not able to show up into a courtroom and who really wants to show up to a courtroom, even if they can, <laughs> they don't want to just to say, hey, I was there and I saw them sign it. when you can just finish, um, get rid of that requirement by having this self-proof affidavit done with a notary. Um, are at the same time as the will or later, but you get it done outside of a courtroom. And it's just having those requirements and having this done brings a piece of peace of mind and ease of mind so that you know that your will has been, um, you have secured or you have established that this is what you wanted and this is your will and you had witnesses there and everything was executed as it should have been. Yeah, perfect. I mean, I, I see, you know, I mean, the reality of the situation is that if you're doing an estate plan, you're doing a will, self-prove it. That's, yeah. that's pretty much like our 
professional opinion. Now, with that said, we've tried. I, I like again. I like to play devil's advocate. I always like to think what, what if not? Like why not? Why would somebody not want to do it? I had a little bit of trouble on this one, and I'm gonna be honest with you guys. I'm, I'm pushing it here, but hey, why not? Um, the reasons why somebody may forgo self-proving a will, uh, I would say, would probably be just access to a notary. That's probably why. Uh, most attorneys, at least from my perspective, we don't charge extra for uh, for executing a self-proving affidavit. Uh, it's it's included in our services. If we're doing a will, we're self-proving it. So cost shouldn't be the issue, but access to a notary could. Um, you have to execute, in order to execute a self-proving affidavit properly, it has to be notarized. And in order to notarize, you need a notary. And sometimes in situations, there you may come across a client that is either really far off the beaten track and you have to really you know, uh, organize a, a schedule with a notary. Luckily, if, if somebody in your firm is a notary, you can, that's kind of a not non-issue. Um, but it's, it could be an issue. So that's just me kind of reaching out to see if there mm-hmm. could be an issue. Um, and yeah, if you have to do it, I know that we, there's a, there's a fun little case coming up, but if you have to do it, please do it with an attorney. Why, Rebecca, why should we do, why should you possibly do a legal document with an attorney? Right. So I actually, um, this, this sports CCA case, I I mentioned earlier, even though I meant to, to actually use it as an example for why you should use the attorney was the fact that they, um, messed up the, um, they messed up the actual signing. They only had two out of the three sign or there weren't three. Um, and there's also just, there's another case from Iowa, which would still be um, relevant because just because the facts were general enough and the requirements that they're talking about um, apply here in Florida, that they, the personal rep thought that um, the witnesses had been, were deceased. So this was, the personal rep was just the brother of the testator and they, he probated the will, but he thought that the witnesses um, were deceased. So he did not even request for them to come in. They did not have a self-proofing affidavit. Um, I forgot to mention that. So they had, they tried to just probate it like that. And um, it was contested. The will was contested and they, had to actually find they they found out that one of the witnesses was not deceased but they had to kind of go on a search to make sure that they were they found that one wasn't and they had to depose the witness i mean it caused just probate mess that's what all of this happens and if you would have if that testator would have gone with an attorney and first of all done the self-proofing affidavit so you wouldn't even need the witnesses but also, even if they weren't going to do the self-proof affidavit, having an attorney who says, hey, I have the information of these witnesses. Let me do some work to see who's available, who's not. I mean, instead of having the personal rep just wing it, um, is it's just, you can't, there's some things that people don't want to be thinking about during that time. 
And that's why having attorneys on your side to do some of that work for you is so important. The The reality is that you save a buck now to pay for it later. Um, a lot of, and I, and I know because I've spoken to them, they're, they're friends and family. And, and um, it, you'd be surprised how you talk to somebody and they're like, oh, I'll just go online and download a legal document, a legal form and just fill it out. And some people can get by with that. Some people can. I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to hear, sit here and just blind, you know, some people can. You could, if you, if you have a very, 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 very simple estate, you could probably go. Would we recommend it? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's completely out of our interest for people to do that. And also we just think right. that truly speaking, uh, there's just so many nuances that we found even in the simplest estate. We'll, we'll go up to a client. We expect super simple, right? A will, no trust maybe some healthcare directives. And as we're talking to them, we're learning and we're realizing that this client may have gone to the internet and filled out a form and completely missed Mm -hmm. crucial documents that would have saved them money and time at time of probate. Uh, And it's just one of those things that you, unfortunately, you you really can't learn as you go as a client for these things. You're just going to have to take people's word for it and say, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to find a professional find an experienced attorney in estate planning and get their opinion because my estate is worth more than the few hundred dollars you're saving uh, by going to the internet and finding that. And I bring that up because uh, just like Rebecca was saying, if you're going, if you're going to do anything, especially something like a self-proving affidavit, you're going to want an attorney. You're going to want to make sure it's executed properly and you want to avoid the witch v Supreme Court of Texas case where even attorneys made mistakes, but imagine if that would have been just done by themselves. They, they probably would have, God knows where they would have signed. <laughs> and I think one thing that clients usually don't think about and people are really never prepared for, or I mean, sometimes they are, sometimes they see it coming, but others don't, is people contesting their will. I think a lot of, there's, yeah. there some people are taken aback when, by when someone passes away the people who kind of come out of the woodworks to say, actually, I think this was done wrong and I should get a piece of whatever this estate has. And I mean, once when something like that happens, when someone contests a will, you want to make sure that that was done so um, that it was done according to the laws and it is foolproof. Nobody can contest it. Nobody can knock it down. You And the best way to have that peace of mind to know that it won't be um, contestable and they can't um, say that it was invalid is to have gone with an attorney and make sure it's just an added level of security. Yeah. There's a fun little exercise that I think everyone at home can do. Um, It's going to be a little shocking. And I think it's, it's, it, it's one of those things that you have to kind of, Estate planning is tough because you're talking about a lot of personal emotion. You're, there's a lot of relationships involved. One of the first questions we ask clients is, "Who are you? Mar- you know, are you married? Who's your family? Talk to us about your brothers, your kids." Your, but because that's what estate planning is, right? In the end, it's your legacy and what you leave behind. And one of the toughest questions is, "Are there any conflicts?" Right? We don't ask it a straight up, but it's one of the things that we're looking for because depending on that is it's really going to 
formulate how the documents are created, um, in particular, whether the the will and the estate planning and all that stuff, it, it, is it going to be contested at probate? Because, and a lot of people, and we've had clients tell us, oh, you know, we're, 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 we're good roses and tulips with everyone. Um, mm-hmm. And then as we, we go through the questionnaire and the talk, you know, we talk to them and uh, you start realizing that there may be issues. Um, and it's really, I guess, dark to talk about it that way because we don't want to talk, we don't want to discuss personal relationships with people that we are, you know, in good terms with and then think they may want to contest the will. But right. it's, but that's, that's the tough situation. And that's why estate planning is sometimes a very difficult subject for a lot of people and why people postpone doing their, their will. Uh, really, mm-hmm. because it's just these tough conversations. Uh, but we highly recommend if you have not done your will, if you have not done your estate planning, if you have an, a will that's a decade or more old, uh, consider going to an attorney, discussing it with them. Attorneys, there's a reason why we're called counsel, um, because we're there to not only tell you what the law is, but to tell you what your approach should be. Um, and our job is not to judge or to you know, discuss, you know, our job here is to get your, your problems and fix them. Right. That's, that, that's our job. We take your problems and we fix them. So if you haven't go talk to an attorney and, um, that's, that's the, really, it's, it's one of the best things you could do in your life. Um, because you'll not only, and I, we've had this with a lot of people, a lot of the clients that we've talked to after we've gone through the entire process, they'll come to us and tell us, wow, like I feel so relieved because mm-hmm. I've been pushing this off for 30 years. You know, I've, they've gotten married, they've had kids, they've bought houses, they've, they have businesses and they talk to us and they're like, we have never, I, I, I sleep at night wondering what am I going to do if God forbid something happens and uh, now they're, they're taken care of for it. So consider that. Um, I think that concludes our conversation for, for today. I mean, uh, is there anything else that we would want to touch up on before we close this episode? Well, keep an eye out on the Instagram. Uh, with each podcast, we're trying to set little challenges. So we'll be posting that um, probably even before we actually upload this podcast. But by the time you hear this, it's still have a chance to go and check it out and join in on the challenge. Yeah, perfect. Also, make sure, don't forget, we have the show notes on the website. So make sure to go to lifelegacypa.com. Uh, so yeah, that wraps up the podcast for today. Thank you for joining us, guys. If you want more information on anything discussed today, more or more, sh- make sure to visit our website, www.lifelegacypa.com. There you can find articles, documents, references on everything we've spoken about on the show. And uh, we have a lot of resources as well. So if you've heard anything that we've spoken about and you have no clue, if it's an estate planning document, go to the website. We have a lot of information there that will help you um, free of charge. Just make sure to go and check it out. All right. We hope to hear from you guys. Make sure to leave comments if you have any, and uh, we'll talk to you guys on the next one. Bye.